The Sam Altman vs. OpenAI saga may finally be over as the former CEO is likely to take his position back this week. Three VC firms just announced very large funds, and while the returns for private equity secondaries have been alright, they've been abysmal for VC. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. It's been nearly a week since we last updated you on the Sam Altman and OpenAI drama. If you haven't been keeping up, here's a quick recap followed by the latest updates in the story as of Sunday night. On Friday, November 17th, OpenAI released a surprise statement that CEO Sam Altman had been fired. The company's CTO, Mir Marathi, would take his place as interim CEO. OpenAI's statement read that Altman, quote, was not consistently candid in his communications with the board, hindering its ability to exercise his responsibilities, unquote. Outside of this, we still know very little about the internal details of why Altman was removed. On Sunday, November 19th, after current CEO Marathi supported the return of Altman to his position as CEO, the board appointed a new one, its third CEO in three days. Emmett Shear, former CEO of Twitch, replaced Marathi. On Monday, November 20th, Microsoft, who owns a 49% stake in OpenAI, quickly moved to hire Altman and other OpenAI employees who left. Microsoft announced Altman would be joining the company to lead a new AI research team. As you may already know, Altman didn't last on Microsoft's team for long. The next day on Tuesday, November 21st, OpenAI announced via a tweet that Altman would be returning in principle as the company's new CEO. The entire OpenAI board, outside of one person, would also be stepping down from their roles. In response to the announcement, Altman tweeted, quote, I love OpenAI, and everything I've done over the past few days has been in service of keeping this team and its mission together. When I decided to join Microsoft on Sunday evening, it was clear that was the best path for me and the team. With the new board and with Satya's support, I'm looking forward to returning to OpenAI and building on our strong partnership with Microsoft. As of Sunday night, it is uncertain when Altman will return to the CEO role, but a report from Bloomberg states his return could occur sometime this week. If there are any new developments in this crazy back-and-forth OpenAI story, we'll be sure to keep you updated here at Venture Daily. The venture capital fundraising environment has been nothing short of woeful in 2023. Raising has seen 10-year lows, and returns have plummeted to negative 20%. VC silver linings are few and far between right now, so when there's fundraising news that is actually positive in 2023, it stands out. Today, we have some positive news. Three unrelated venture firms recently announced each is raising new large funds, the combined total of which is nearly $5 billion. Co2 Management, based in New York, raised $1.4 billion, Menlo Ventures in the Bay Area raised $1.3 billion, and Coastal Ventures, also in the Bay Area, is closing in on raising $3 billion. Large fundraisers are a welcome sight for venture markets that have tanked this year. According to a recent PitchBook report, fundraising expects to close around $57 billion, a 67% decrease from the record of $172.5 billion last year. Fund count is also down dramatically, decreasing by 64%. Part of why Co2 has seen such a large fundraise could have to do with the unconventional approach its new fund takes. The firm decided to cut management fees for its LPs, opting out of the 2% fee firms typically enjoy. This is a rare but seemingly effective tactic not seen much since the early 2000s post-internet hype. Menlo's new fund will focus on AI investments, of which the firm is already backed with companies like Anthropic, Typeface, and others. Coastal's raise is expected to be the largest of any firm this year. That is if it closes in 2023. It would also be one of the only VC funds to actually grow this year, as it has seen more than a 60% increase from $1.85 billion last year. For more on what a pickup of large funding raises could mean for the future of the VC fundraising environment, I spoke with Rob Biederman. 
Rob Biederman, managing partner at Asymmetric. Rob, in recent months we've discussed on the show that fund managers are finding it difficult to raise from LPs. And with this news of a few large funding races, do you expect we'll see more funds announce large funding announcements in the coming months as well? Look, I, I believe the tide is beginning to turn. Uh, the reality is this is going to be an unbelievable vintage, 24 and 25. And so, well, of course, right now is broadly not a fantastic fundraising environment. I think based on conversations we've been to have with limited partners, there's, there's evidence that folks are realizing that this is a great time to deploy. And despite, obviously, denominator effect and, um, you know, some of the more uh, bearish and gloomy headlines about the space, if you look at kind of historical returns, you find that uh, recession and otherwise non-hypey vintages tend to actually be some of the most attractive. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot more funding announcements like the, like the two that you mentioned over the next couple quarters. According to the information, KOTU is offering its LPs discounts, which were popular back in the dot-com bust. What are the benefits and the drawbacks of offering management fee cuts to your LPs? Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting space. Um, I've been in and around private markets for a long time, and it's, it's, it's versus many other spaces. It's one where people tend not to compete very much on price, um, only really in, in sort of sideways or downwards markets. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of years. Last question, Rob. Like I mentioned earlier, management fee discounts were popular during the dot-com bust of the early 2000s. Does the resurgence of management fee discounts point to the idea that we might be in an AI bust? Um, well, I've, I've said on the show before that AI is a uh, world-changing technology that's going to have a huge impact in many different businesses. Uh, I'm less convinced that broad-spread returns to AI are going to be very attractive, and I think the reality is, one, a lot of AI's benefits are going to disproportionately accrue to top uh, incumbents like Google and Facebook um, and, and Microsoft. And, and then secondly, you know, the reality of any underlying AI space is if there's an idea in that space that feels very obvious, um, there are probably going to be 50, 60, 70 firms that are running at it. That was Rob Biederman, Managing Partner at Asymmetric Capital. Thanks a lot, Rob. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Great to be on. Return numbers are in for private equity secondaries funds, and the general report from PitchBook is that they've done meh in 2023. Venture capital secondary funds, however, did a lot worse than meh. Real quick, if you're wondering what a private equity secondary is, it is a pre-existing investor commitment to private equity and or other alternative investment funds that a PE or VC firm can buy or sell. In 2023, PE secondaries have returned positive results, but nothing spectacular. Their one-year internal rate of return offers a decent 7.93%. VC secondaries, however, performed very poorly at a negative 15.2%, by far the worst among the secondaries group. According to PitchBook Fund Strategies analyst Juliet Clemens, the reason PE secondaries are performing better than VC secondaries is because, quote, although PE assets more broadly did see write-downs, they were not as severe as the valuation drops in VC, and that PE portfolio companies tend to be more mature than those of venture capital, which means they are already generating cash flow, unquote. It's likely that secondary performance has been boosted by LPs who want liquidity now amid declining private asset valuations and a weak exit market. For more on the 2023 trends of the PE and VC secondaries market, I spoke with Zach Ullman. Hey, this is Zach Ullman. I'm a principal at Lead Edge Capital. We're a global growth investment firm that invests in software, internet, and tech-enabled service businesses uh, across the globe. Zach, PitchBook's one-year horizon IRR for private equity is not bad at about 8%. The one-year horizon IRR for venture capital, however, is at negative 15%, the weakest performer in secondaries by far. So, why have VC secondaries performed so poorly? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question. 
I think there are a couple ways to think about the secondary markets if you zoom out, which is, I think in the past decade plus, you've seen trillions of dollars invested into private markets generally. Private markets consist of private equity, venture capital, infrastructure, real estate. And against that, the evolution of the capital markets requires a secondary market that sits adjacent to that. And so today there's a pretty vibrant secondary market. Secondary markets underperforming, according to PitchBook, I would attribute it a lot to you probably are seeing more down rounds than up rounds in the venture capital world. And once you do that, you end up revaluing some of these businesses. And so you have companies that might have raised in 2021 and they may raise a down round in 2022 or 2023. That leads somebody to say the company that used to be worth a billion dollars is now worth $500 million. And that leads to folks that might need new liquidity or whatnot, but it's really driving what I would say is probably more efficiency in the private markets than we've ever had. Real asset secondaries performed the best at a 16% one-year horizon IRR, double even private equity. As you understand them, what are real asset secondaries and why have they performed so well? Yeah, real assets consist of what I would describe as anything in the physical world. So that could be an oil and gas refinery, it could be real estate, and these tend to be assets that are, from the outset, pretty cash flowing. And what that ends up meaning is over time, you have a gradual increase in your in the value of that asset. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that over the past year, real assets have performed well. There's there's two ways to think about, in my view, where we are in real assets compared to the venture world. Interestingly, is in, in, you know, insofar as venture assets underperforming today. If you believe in regression to the mean, this would actually be a good time to be investing in venture assets. However, the flip side is you don't want to catch a proverbial falling knife, right? And so what's low could potentially go lower. I think the, the approach we've taken in underwriting any sort of asset is to be company first, right? And so it's to say, I'm not going to buy 100 different things. I'm buying exposure to one company, whether I'm doing a fund-level secondary or a company-level secondary. And so you'll say, what are the prospects for this business going forward? And then how can I potentially be helpful to that business? Private equity has seen a surge in secondary's performance recently. PitchBook says this is because, in short, LPs want to cash and GPs want to hold on to their assets. Why are LPs demanding liquidity more aggressively right now? I would say it's interesting in that if you believe in the investment management business, some of the truisms that we believe internally is that in order to go out and raise more money, you need to give money back to your limited partners, right? To, if you want to go raise a dollar, it makes sense to give them a dollar in terms of historical realizations. And so in a universe where private, you know, GPs have assets that they really like and they want to hold on to for longer, and LPs have new fund commitments that they end up wanting to make, there needs to be a market to provide liquidity to those LPs. And if you think about where a secondary could occur, a secondary could occur at the company level. And so a company level secondary may be you have a former employee or current employee selling stock. Uh, you may have early investors selling stock, or you may be performing a secondary at the fund level. And the fund may have a handful of assets in it, or you may have a fund that's 10 plus years old. There may be one asset in it. And one of the things we're seeing that's quite common there are companies finding its second act. Think about the AI wave that's going on today. You have companies that have been around for seven, eight years, have performed well, may not have hit venture scale outcomes. But now with what's happening in AI, you're seeing a second act. And as a result of that, you have GPs who say, hey, I'm in it. I'm excited for the next five, 10 years. Whereas LPs may say, I think it's time for me to generate some form of realization, maybe partial, maybe full. And that's why the secondary market is as vibrant as it is today. Last question, Zach. 
Secondaries have been on a seven-quarter streak of outperforming broader private capital from Q2 of 2021 through to the most recent available data of Q1 of 2023. Do you expect to see secondaries continue to outperform private capital in rolling one-year IRR? I think our view internally is that secondary markets will continue to perform quite well, especially in the private markets. And I would attribute that to the the, the discount that often occurs in some of these private market secondaries, meaning there's, there tends to be some kind of what's known as a liquidity discount if you're buying secondary, because as opposed to selling stock in the public markets, where there's a vibrant ecosystem of buyers and sellers, and there's no friction to completing a trade, often in the private markets, there's actual friction to doing a secondary, and there's friction to an investor parking their money in a, in a business or in some type of fund secondary, and then they need to make money on that investment, right? And so I think in our view, I couldn't tell you if, if, if the, what the returns of that sector will be over the next five or 10 years. What I will say is we tend to believe that it's an exciting time to be investing in the ecosystem. And there's a healthy way in which we found to be able to achieve realizations on the other end too, whether it's secondaries of our own, companies being acquired, or companies going public. That was Zach Ullman, principal at Lead Edge Capital. Really great speaking with you, Zach. Thanks for joining the show. Awesome. Thanks, Jackson. Thanks for tuning in to Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you liked today's episode, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning.